Hey guys, got a special message and update and favor to ask you guys. As you guys know, we bridge the gap to Reformed Christian theology, and we try to do it for your listening pleasure, as I always say, but to make sure that bridge is nice and smoothly paved and a good sturdy bridge that's well-kept and maintained, we need to... Uh, kind of up our game and ask for donations. Yeah, we do. We, uh, you guys can rest assured we're, we're not going to pocket any of this. It's not going into our pockets. It's all going to the podcast. Um, yeah, so we want to upgrade some things in the back end. We want to potentially, hopefully, hire somebody in the future to do YouTube stuff so you guys can see video and not just audio, get a website going. Uh, we got a couple things in the background that we want to work on and so we can pay for shipping because right now that's coming out of our pockets. Yep. Uh, so yeah, if you guys can help us out on this end, it is going to help us. What Nick said is, uh, yeah, paving it. And I'm going to say shorten the bridge, shorten it and pave it, there make it nice and short. A nice bridge, a nice sturdy paved, nice bridge to drive on. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's all for God's kingdom. Again, we're not taking any of this money and it's just making sure that we can keep giving you guys awesome content and be able to up our game on what we can do for you guys yeah so you guys can find this on our ink website that's going to be linked to any of the podcast platforms that you guys see it's also linked on our twitter it's linked on our instagram and so just find that there's a place to donate we would really appreciate it we thank you guys for listening for interacting for all the all the great feedback we've gotten but we hope to continue doing this and expand Hello and welcome to the Guilt, Grace, Gratitude podcast. This is one of your co-hosts, Peter Bell, and we are on Catechism Saturday, Lord's Day number 26. We'll be covering the first part of Ursinus' exposition of baptism. But before we start this, if you guys have not yet listened to Monday's episode with Dr. Darian Lockett on the general epistle, so James, Jude, 1st to 3rd John, and 1st to 2nd Peter, Please do yourself a favor. Listen to that one. We have a couple of book giveaways. So find us on Twitter, Instagram, rate us on iTunes, retweet us, whatever you got to do to get our attention. And we can get you a giveaway book for that episode. And then also on Thursday, we had Dr. Brandon Crow of Westminster Theological Seminary in Philadelphia talk about his book, The Path of Faith, Covenants and Law. Biblically, theologically found from Genesis to Revelation, also with another book giveaway. So please do yourself a favor, listen to those, and then we'll move on with this episode. So we will cover question answers 69 to 71. So question and answer 69. How does holy baptism signify and seal to you that this one sacrifice of Christ on the cross benefits you? In this way, Christ instituted this outward washing and with it gave the promise that as surely as water washes away the dirt from the body, so certainly his blood and spirit wash away the impurity of my soul, that is, all my sins. And then here's Ursinus' exposition. And he marks out eight questions to help break down the next couple of catechism question and answers to more fully describe what baptism is and signifies. This is crucial for the Reformed conception of baptism and how it relates to Christ, 
the believer and the church. So his first question about this is, what is baptism? And he says, the catechism defines baptism to be an external washing with water instituted by Christ, to which this promise is added, that when we are baptized, we are certainly washed by his blood and spirit from all the pollution of our soul, that is from all our sins, as we are washed externally with water, by which the filthiness of the body is commonly washed away. It includes these three things, the sign, which is the water, the things signified, sprinkling of the blood of Christ, mortification of the old man, quickening of the new, and the command and promise of Christ, which the sign obtains its authority and power to confirm. His second question to help us is, what are the ends of baptism? The chief end of baptism is the confirmation of our faith or a solemn declaration by which Christ testifies that he washes us with his blood and spirit and confers upon us remission of sins and the Holy Ghost who regenerates and sanctifies us unto eternal life. Or it is a sealing of the promise of grace that is our justification and regeneration and a declaration of the will of God. To this effect, that he here grants these gifts to those who are baptized, and that he will forever grant them. For he himself baptizes us by the hand of the minister, and declares to us, this is his will. From this it is evident why baptism is not repeated, because it is a sign of our reception into the favor and covenant of God, which remains forever sure and valid in the case of those who repent. He, therefore, that has lost the sense of God's favor by falling into sin, does not need another application of baptism, but repentance for his sins. Another end of baptism is the declaration of our duty to God and the binding of ourselves and the church to gratitude or to faith and repentance. Baptism was appointed to be the sign of our entrance and reception into the church, because God will have all those who are members of his church to be admitted in this way, so that those who are not baptized, when they enjoy sufficient opportunities, are excluded from the church. It is for this reason also that the Lord's Supper is given only to such as are baptized, for they alone have been received into the church. Baptism serves as a mark by which the true church may be discerned from all the various sects which exist in the world. Baptism was instituted to signify our taking of the cross and to afford comfort concerning the preservation and deliverance of the church from all her afflictions. Another end to be affected by baptism is to declare the unity of the church and to establish that article of the creed, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. Baptism contributes to the preservation and spread of the doctrine which promises free salvation for the sake of Christ's death. And then we move on to question and answer 70 of the Heidelberg Catechism. What does it mean to be washed with Christ's blood and spirit? Answer, to be washed with Christ's blood 
means receive forgiveness of sins from God through grace because of Christ's blood poured out for us in his sacrifice on the cross. To be washed with his spirit means to be renewed by the Holy Spirit and sanctified to be members of Christ so that more and more we become dead to sin and lead a holy and blameless life. The Resignance is exposition. There is in baptism a double washing, an external washing with water and an internal washing with the blood and spirit of Christ. The internal is signified and sealed by that which is external and is always joined with it in the proper use of baptism. To be washed with the blood of Christ is to receive the pardon of sin or to be justified on account of his shed blood. To be washed with the spirit of Christ is to be regenerated by the Holy Spirit, which consists in change of evil inclinations into those which are good, which the Holy Ghost works in the will and heart so as producing us hatred to sin and a desire to live according to the will of God. Question answer 71, the last question and answer we'll go through. Where has Christ promised that he will wash us with his blood and spirit as surely as we are washed with the water of baptism? Answer, in the institution of baptism, where he says, and he quotes from Matthew 28, 19, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then another quote from Mark 16, 16. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. This promise is repeated where scripture calls baptism the washing of rebirth and the washing away of sins. Then Rosinus' exposition, where he breaks down the different parts of the Great Commission first for understanding. So Matthew 28, 19, he breaks this down. Go and teach all nations. As if he would say, do not confine your instructions to the posterity of Abraham or to particular nations, but go and teach the whole world. Baptizing them. That is, all those who come unto me through your teaching are made my disciples. Children as part of believing households being born in the church, which to infants is the same as a profession of faith. The order which Christ here lays down must be observed. He commands that they should first be taught and afterwards baptized, because he speaks of adults who might be converted to Christianity and declares that sacraments should not be alone, but joined with the word. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, when the minister performs a baptism in the name of the Trinity, it is as if the Trinity itself has performed it. That the persons of the Trinity confirm us by their own declaration and truly grant us all the benefits which are signified by baptism, if we believe. And to baptize in the Trinitarian name is to bind the person to the knowledge, faith, worship, trust, and honor of this true God. Then he expounds on Mark 16, 16. So it says, he that believes, so the condition of faith is joined to the promise. For those who are baptized do not receive that which is promised and sealed by baptism unless they have faith. So that without faith, the promise is not ratified and baptism is of no profit. The proper use in observing those ceremonies and rites which are of divine appointment 
the right use in administering it to those for whom it was constituted, both for the converted adults and members of the church, infants and believing parents. Observed with the design it was instituted, administered by ministers of the church who are sent to teach and baptize, not by any others God has sent. And is baptized, Christ designs to confirm us by this sign. Shall be saved, that is, he that is baptized may know that he enjoys the benefits which are signified by the sacrament, which consist in justification and regeneration, if you believe. He that believes not shall be condemned. That is, even though he may have been baptized, the use of baptism does not save without faith. Not to be baptized does not condemn, if there be no contempt of this sacrament. For not the want, but the contempt of the sacraments condemns. But there can be never be any contempt of the sacraments where there is faith. Thanks for listening to Lord's Day Heidelberg Catechism number 26 on our Catechism Saturday episodes. We have started the series on baptism in this. Next week, we will continue our Sinus' series on baptism as we continue with Lord's Day Catechism number 27. I hope you guys enjoy your Easter Sunday tomorrow, Resurrection Sunday. Look out for Monday's podcast with Dr. D.G. Hart of Hillsdale College in Michigan. He will talk to us about, about the history of the evangelical church how it's gotten to the point where it is today and how we can be thinking about these things. And the next Thursday, part one with Dr. Craig Carter on interpreting scripture with a great tradition. We are trying to, he's, he's telling us we need to retrieve the way the church fathers interpreted scripture because they learned from the apostles and we want to learn from the apostles as well. So we hope to see you guys next week on the Guilt, Grace, Gratitude podcast. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Guilt, Grace, Gratitude podcast, where we bridge the gap to reformed theological truth. Please subscribe to us on your podcast catcher, review us, give us five stars, help others find this podcast through your review. Find us on Instagram and Twitter if you want to follow us there, keep up with our updates and who we're interviewing next and a couple quotes that you guys might find really enriching. We hope to see you guys next week.